In today's episode, we are going to get answers to five COVID questions. Is there a role for ivermectin? How do you monitor at home? When should you be going to the hospital? What treatment will you receive at hospital? And is long COVID real? I am your host, Pauline. I'm your co-host, Shilin. Welcome to TAW Real Chat. Hi, I'm Dr. Tan from Penang Adventist. I'm a chest physician. Uh, hi, I'm Zoe. Uh, I was the confirmed COVID-19 patient and currently still under recovering stage. Hello everyone, I'm Shilin. I'm also a recovered COVID patient under Dr. Tan's care. And my mother and my brother also got COVID. And I'm happy to say that we all recovered from it. Can you tell us what should be the first steps uh, that someone who suspects they're having COVID, right? What should be the first steps that they take? I'm a chest physician. Mm-hmm. So I deal with a lot of respiratory cases. If a patient come and tell you, let's say I have a fever for a few days, sore throat, headache, cough. These are a short history suggestive of viral in nature. In the current pandemic, especially in the northern region, the number one diagnosis to come to your mind is COVID-19. If you are having such a symptoms, isolate yourself. Mm. Get yourself checked. One of the things that has come up from today, uh, commonly, when, when one person gets it, the whole household is infected. Um, Dr. Tan, do you have any insights to, to, to share about that? Because it seems like, you know, is, is it because people don't isolate after they, they get infected? Or what, are, are there any SOPs that they should have at home? Actually, the whole household uh, having infections is a real thing. You see that almost every day. Half of the patients on the ward, they come in bouts and then come in whole family. Uh, I think two days ago, I have a family came in. Father, mother, daughter, son, all infected. Same house. And the mother is in ICU. And the, the other three family members are fairly well in the normal world. So, so this is sometimes we have to understand that COVID is sometimes it's not about your problems. It's also your family problem as well. A lot of patients, what happens is that they, they, if let's say, for example, if you have somebody in the house who are COVID positive, the first thing you should do is that you have to make sure that the ventilation is very good. So if you have a problem isolating that family member who is COVID, then you do not isolate the sick one. You isolate the well one. You move the well out from the house. So that's the least you can do. Because sometimes a lot of houses and family, you know, does not permit somebody to be isolated in the house with everybody around. So you move out the well, those who are not sick, leave the sick. Of course, if they are too sick, you have to bring them to the hospital. But mm-hmm. if they are infected with COVID and they are still fairly independent and well, mm-hmm. you leave them in the same house, you move the one who are well out from the house, especially the elderly. Mm-hmm. Because you do not want the whole family to get infected and get infected. And if the outcome is not good, then you have to live with those outcomes for the rest of your life. So mm. this is very important. So isolation is number one. Isolation is the key. Number two, get yourself checked. How get would you, with what way? What is checking? Let's go right. down to the basics. Now they have all these uh, kit, they call it antigen mm-hmm. kit, PCR kit. PCR kit normally you have to get it in healthcare center. Mm-hmm. The difference between PCR kit and, uh, and uh, antigen kit, PCR tends to detect early phase of the covid it can even detect when you're not yet infectious. Right. Whereas antigen, you actually detect viral protein. Normally, that it would detect somewhere after day five or day six. So if somebody has infections, early phase, mm-hmm. PCR will detect it pretty early. Mm-hmm. So if you test yourself antigen, even though you're COVID-19 positive in the early phase, it may be negative. Mm-hmm. Same thing applies to those patients' antibody. If you just had COVID-19, 
your antibody most likely will be negative because your body needs to react to the virus to produce antibody. That is why it is only positive towards the end of the viral phase. It is a crucial that when you feel unsure, so better go for PCR test to protect yourself, your loved one, and also to prevent uh, spreading to others. Yeah, I, I did like multiple PCR tests and I think it was very uncomfortable, but it was bearable. So whoever that's yeah. listening to this, if you have tried PCR tests, tell us your experience, how it made you feel. And if I hear you correctly, you're saying that the antigen testing, um, it's not um, the most effective test to, to catch someone in early COVID days. Yes. The, yes. the PCR testing yes. will be the gold standard. Yes, gold standard. That's right. Right. Mm. So, I have so a question. Careful. So when I did the PCR test, there's actually this CT value. So Dr. Tan, can you elaborate on what CT value means? CT value basically means uh, how infectivity of the virus. The lower the CT value, the more infectious it is. So normally your CD value crosses 35 or 40, normally you are fairly non-infectious. But if your CD value in the tens, you are highly infectious. Mm. Or in other words, mm. if you look at it in the other words, you may be early of the infection. So the higher the CT value, the less infectious the, less the infectious patient is. is. Yes. The lower the CT value, the higher. higher yeah, right, right. And mm. and what about having um do do people, you know, once you suspect you have COVID, how do, how would you monitor yourself? what sort of equipment you might need? Before we, we, we delve into how do you monitor yourself, we need to know what are the danger signs. Of course, the regular things that we do in our ward, uh, now those things are accessible in your Lazada or your Shopee. Things like pulse oximeter, things like temperature checking. Yeah, we're going to slow down that a little bit yeah. because not everyone's going to know what's a pulse oximeter, I think. Pulse Although oximeter, more people, yeah. Also, mm -hmm. smiddle basically is a device that you know you put it in, in a, between your fingers. Mm -hmm. I actually have okay. one that's accessible. So yeah. when you do that, I'll just present. Yeah. I think I have it one here. <laughs> I don't know where I put it. Yeah, something like this. Yeah. Something yeah. like this. Yes, yes, yes. That's one. So you put we it also in have between. One. You put it between <laughs> your your fingers. It will tell you yeah. your pulse, right, and the oxygen level in your body. Right. Mm. The normal per normal person, the, ox the, the oxygen in the body, is, we call it saturation, oxygen saturation, mm -hmm. is around 98 to 100%. Normal person, does it differ for age or, or everybody's about 98 Yes, as you get older, your saturation tends to lower a little bit, but it mm -hmm. shouldn't go below 96. Now, you, now Pauline, you have, we all have two lungs, right? right. Everybody has two lungs. Yes. If we sit quietly with mm -hmm. two lungs, normal lungs, mm -hmm. our saturation should be 99, 98 and above. Okay. The highest is 100%. So if I ask you to go and jogging, your saturation may be drop a little bit, maybe mm. 96. And normally it maintains somewhere there because your body is healthy, it can cope. The thing is that what I'm going to mention next is very important because a lot of people have uh, what they call that oxy pulse oximeter at home, they monitor mm. themselves. The common mistake they did was for them, 96, 95, I'm still okay. But they forgot the fact that you have two lungs, mm -hmm. the normal lungs should be 98, I mentioned earlier, to 100%. So if your oxygen level under room, room air resting, you drop to 96, 97, mm -hmm. normally in the ward, I'll tell the nurse, why you never inform me? Oh. Something's wrong. Like I said earlier, if you're sitting quietly, mm -hmm. resting, mm -hmm. your oxygen should be 98 and 100%. But when I go to the ward, I look at the monitor, mm. 97, I'll be start jumping. Oh my God. Has mm -hmm. a COVID attack the lung. Right. When it drops to... 95, alarm bells will ring. Quickly put the patient mm -hmm. oxygen. Quickly send the patient from scan. 
when it drops to 92, 93, the mm. patient need to go to ICU. Now, of course, sometimes when we do rounds in the in the when I do rounds in the ward, <clears throat> a patient saturation is like, for example, 98, and patient having high grade fever. Mm-hmm. So sometimes in the world, we we think maybe it's involved in the lung, maybe it's not. So not, what normally I do is I do a simple exertional testing for the patient. Mm. Ask the patient to stand and sit continuously for one minute. And I see, is there any drop in the saturation or the oxygen in the, in the level, in the body? What do you mean when you say stand and sit? Basically, you put a chair behind the patient. Mm-hmm. You put a pulse oximeter in between the patient like this. Mm-hmm. You put it on. Mm-hmm. Then on resting, you see what's the reading like. I give you an example. The reading is 98%. Okay. So I ask the patient, can you stand and sit continuously, nonstop, for about a minute? Mm-hmm. If the oxygen drops 3%, then I'll be very alert. Most likely hit, hit the lung. Right. Um, Dr. Tan, you talk about uh, standing and sitting. Yeah. What, what is the pace of, like, you know, oh, if you want to pace, do it at of course. Normal pace, normal pace. Normal pace. There's Whatever no, the patient no is comfortable this is a, with. It's a rough guide. This is, this is a rough guide to tell us when they exert. Because sometimes we can't ask them to walk around in the ward. So if, you, if, if, if those, those of you at home, you can walk around and check your oxygen. If there's a drop, you've, the alarm bell has to ring. And you said 3%, right? So 3%. This is so, a, roughly we use for 3%. Right. So if 98 and you're doing this chair sitting standing test and it's about 96, 97, should, should, there, should alarm bells still be ringing? Yes, you should be watching out. Right. Am I having an early, early phase of lung involvement? Okay. Especially those patients mm-hmm. whom the temperature mm-hmm. keep on having fever. Mm. With this combination with this, mm. even the lung bell should ring, whether it involves the lungs and mm. the patient enter the different categories of COVID, like category three. We call mm. it category three, which involves the lung. The other mistake I, I, I noticed for my some of the patients, I have two calls. I got one two days ago, I got one today. This this is a bit unfortunate. She, she called she called my handphone. She she got my number from one of her friends. This lady, middle-aged lady, she 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 stayed with her son and her, her husband. Mm. So all of them are positive. They were at home. So what happened is that she called me to say, Dr. Tan, can you help me? My husband's oxygen level is 90%. Then I asked her, uh, how many days has it been like this? I've been like this for the past two days. I say, why are you still at home? Why are you not going to see anyone? He said, my, my, my husband is not well. He keep on having fever. But we, we, we borrowed the, you know, the, the oxygen from France. I said, what oxygen you borrowed? The oxygen concentrator, the one you mm. plug to the, to, the, to the plug and then it generate, it, it's called a concentrated oxygen. So her, his oxygen was normal. So, so, so that's why we thought we can wait. Because, mm-hmm. because now it's pandemic, a lot of people are worried to go to hospital and most hospitals are full. You call me today because the oxygen is unable to sustain. Mm. You ask me what to do. Then I ask her, your husband needs to go to hospital as soon as possible because the oxygen is very low. Mm. Most probably he's category four, which I'll come back to you later. What, is, what are the categories mm-hmm. of COVID? Yeah. Category four, I say, if you still, if you still stay at home, if mm. always something might happen to him. She, she asked me, can you send an ambulance? I say, unfortunately, our hospital is full as well. So I suggest her to go to the nearest hospital because her house is not very near to my hospital. She said she tried to call a few hospitals. There's nobody pick up the phone. I say, I suggest to her, you have to drive your family to the hospital. So what I'm trying to say is that although gadgets are available, you can get it online easily. You can get it in your local pharmacy. You had to ask yourself, are you well-versed enough or are you trained in handling this? Because the patient will get oxygen, put the, put the family or themselves on oxygen, 
they have this false impression that they are all right because of all this news going around in India, in Indonesia, when people lining up, getting oxygen tank fill up. Bear in mind, oxygen is not the treatment or not the treatment for the root of the COVID. Mm. The root of COVID is virus. Mm. So it what is you're not the treatment for the COVID. So what you're saying is that oxygen is not the treatment. It's not a substitute for treatment. It is a supportive. So going back, um, if someone suspects they have COVID, number one, you have to isolate. Yep. No, number two, what was it? No, it was checking. Yeah, so thank you. Yeah, so we'll number, check, yeah. number one was isolation. Number two would, would be to check. Um, yes. PCR would be the ideal gold standard. Number three mm. would be monitoring. And we talk about monitoring, we talk about an oximeter. But beyond monitoring, I think what, what you're, if I hear you right, Dr. Tan, you're saying that um, beyond monitoring, you have to watch for the alarm bells yes. and not seek treatment at home with, you know, remedies or, or oxygen and things like that. The alarm bells would be um, the oxygen levels dropping. Are there any other alarm bells that you're looking at? We, when you got the, when the first day you got the COVID, mm-hmm. normally you're pretty well. So the problem mm-hmm. normally comes on day six and seven onwards. Right. Mm. Why is that so? Because the peak of the virus is go up and on, on day five, day six. Mm. Mm. So when you have the COVID virus in you, mm-hmm. your body will react with this, this COVID. It will produce a lot of what we call cytokine. So mm-hmm. cytokine basically is a chemical that induces inflammation in the body. Mm-hmm. So mm. this cytokine will cause problems. We call it cytokine storm. Normally comes on day seven. So mm. they will generate a lot of signs which, which, which you need to watch out. Things like persistent fever. Mm-hmm. It can mm-hmm. go up very high. 39 mm-hmm. to 40 Celsius, mm-hmm. continuously. Mm-hmm. And if you don't do anything, it will cause a lot of inflammation in your body, your body ache. When it goes to the lung, it will cause inflammation in the lung. Sometimes inflammation in the lung, you can't see it if it's early on normal chest x-rays. Mm-hmm. You can catch it in CT scan. Then once you have that sets in, it will affect your lung function. You mm-hmm. will feel breathless. You will cough nonstop. Mm-hmm. Then when that happens, even worse, the, the lung cannot compensate you have your oxygen will drop. And if you still do not do anything, then you enter a different phase. Lack of oxygen, sometimes it will go to a certain extent that you're on the way of no return. So that's why it's essential that you seek help early, especially those who are high-risk group. So, in, so you're a mother of a 19-year-old and you are a senior operations manager. Could you tell us more about what were your first COVID symptoms? I was having a fever and chill, fever and chill, and uh, my temperature at that time is about 39.1 degrees C. I thought that it's just a normal common cold symptom. So I just decided to take a paracetamol and stay at home. However, I was still experiencing a chill with a fever on the next day morning. So my family members suspected I might be infected by COVID-19 or maybe dengue viruses. So they advised me to go and seek for medical advice. So I decided to go to the nearby uh, clinics. So how did the, the, you mentioned the nearest clinic uh, respond? Actually, the whole diagnostic process uh, is actually based on the uh, touchless uh, uh, methodology and approach. My body temperature was measured by the GP with the forehead thermal scan instead of ear thermal scan. So I was having fever and uh, I was shivering that time. But the, from the outcome of the uh, forehead tempor- uh, the thermal scan, the reading is only shown uh, 36.4, which is no fever. So the doctor, the GP only advised me, I think, mm, yeah, don't have, you don't have any fever. So you go back and uh, have a rest. But then the symptoms were getting worsened. So I decided to go to a, a hospital uh, in the evening of the same day. When I reached the hospital, immediately they took my temperature. The, it's about 38 plus degrees C. And uh, immediately... It's really high. Uh, 
Mm. Yeah, and of course, it's a it's heavy fever, and then uh, the emergency uh, department uh, uh, doctor, and then he in, uh, conduct the further investigation and evaluation uh, by carry out this uh, PCR test as well as blood test. And uh, very unfortunate, uh, I was uh, confirmed uh, COVID positive based on the test result. So immediately, uh, I admitted to the hospital uh, for isolation. So in what was that like for you um, after you got into the hospital? Did your disease, did the illness progress for you while you were at hospital? Oh, yeah. Uh, actually, um, I was uh, having, a, 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 how to say, sore throat mm-hmm. and uh, blocked nose and also low oxygen level and uh, also uh, breathing disorders. I have a shortness, a shortness of breath. So because of that, uh, the, um, I was a uh, steroid being prescribed uh, due to my lung infection, and uh, I was treated with the uh, oxygen therapy due to the uh, breathing disorder. Um, Shilin, how about yourself? Did you have um, further symptoms at the hospital? Mm, I think mine was considered mild compared to Soin, but I did lose my uh, sense of smell and taste. And personally, I think that that one is the worst symptoms among all. Because it, it is weird uh, having that feeling that, you know, when you're showering, you're not able to smell your shampoo. And then when you're, you know, eating, you're just chewing texture, you can't taste anything. And um, my my neighbor found out about this. Uh, so she's a Punjabi family. She shared with me that, you know, Dr. Tan actually saw me eating it. So she told me about this uh, spice called uh, clove. I try it. Uh, I chew it only in my mouth chew it and then I just I don't swallow it and then I have that and also lemon water and I do that with moderation and I I got my taste bud and you know uh, smells back after 10 days I did some readings online and some people that you know they, they take a longer time and you can go up to 6 months so mm. imagine 6 months of not being able to taste not being able to smell I, I think that's really awful I'm sorry for whoever that's you know going through this but I, I I hope that I mean there will be an end to this hopefully you have it back and yeah share this I, I hope you will try this and I hopefully it will be working out for you also mm. friends listening in if you've had COVID tell us if you lost your taste buds too and what did you do to get that back Soyin did you lose your taste buds as well oh yeah actually my a little bit different because I, I seem like uh, uh, a I also lost uh, of uh, uh, how to say the smell. But mm-hmm. until today, I still uh, encounter the same problem. I still have this issue. But then instead of I lost uh, the taste, uh, mm. I actually eat everything that time in the hospital. Everything also very salty. Even oh, uh, my yeah. husband uh, prepared some food for me. And then I, I keep complaining. I keep complaining. I say, why you put so much salt, so salty, so salty. But then he said, no, my son said, my mother, my, my son told me, no, uh, mommy, it's okay. Uh, okay. Uh. But for me, it's a, uh, I eat everything also very salty. Even the hospital food also, I feel very salty. Oh, and I heard so the hospital food's quite bland. So, so I try <laughs> to check again. Actually, I try to go to the internet and uh, YouTube to check whether this is kind of symptom. But uh, whatever, the, normally the symptom right now is either you lost your your your, mm. your taste or your, mm. your, your smell, but don't have that kind of symptom like uh, salty or whatever. So, but for me, the case a little bit different but today uh this this problem already no no more uh already back to normal in terms of taste already back to normal but only the smell i still have problem yeah mm. it's not 100 percent yet but still a little bit a little bit improved but not 100 percent yet back to normal Shilin, what was your story like you know tell us how did you discover you had covid my mom got it first and then she's actually spread it to me and my brother 
And um, with the news, you know, when the news broke, my, my relatives, my friends all just keep sending us like this vitamin C and then this Lianhua Chinese medication. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar. And then with Chinese herbal tea, it's just a lot to take. They'll be telling you that you should be taking this in the morning. You should be taking lemon water. There's so many remedies that we should be doing at home. And by that time, I was still unsure if I got it or not. But it's just that someone from the family got it. Everyone was just trying to help. Like for, for my case, I think it's hard for me to really um, digest that from my mom because when she found out that she was positive, we did the test also, my brother and I. We did the test on mm. the next day. We did PCR. That's my first PCR test. We were still negative. So, okay, then then we thought maybe we didn't get it, but I doubt so because I was very close with my mother. And then from there, um, we were telling her like, you know, um, you shouldn't, you shouldn't, you know, listen to all these news that, you know, now that you're positive, People keep sending her all these messages from Facebook groups and then WhatsApp groups and WeChat groups. And mm. they have all these different things that she should be doing now that yep. she's positive. And she won't listen to us. I, I believe this is quite relatable to most people. Is that whatever that we tell our parents, I'm not complaining. Mom, if you're watching <laughs> this, I'm not complaining. But it's just that it's hard for her to mm. take it in when she knows that she's positive and there are so many things that she needs to do. And when we tell her from like getting advice from a younger people and especially they are your children, it's just a bit hard. And, th and that's a struggle, you know, for, for the us who are slightly younger. How do we actually tell our parents um, or, or, or our elderly relatives on, on what to do, when to seek hospital care? So friends, if you're listening in um, and you struggle with your parents about SOP or how to treat COVID symptoms, do drop us a comment below. And um, please tell me your secrets on how to convince your parents. I mean, it took uh, us a painful lesson to actually got COVID to learn a lesson. So I don't want, you know, people out there to go through the same thing. And then yeah. sometimes, sometimes, because, because this COVID gen, gen, generates a lot of excitement in the public. Mm. So there'll be, you know, person one, person two, person three, they'll tell you different, different things. And then mm. you got confused. So mm. a lot of our families and friends, they are trying to help. So they are sending us, advice, they're sending us uh, remedies, all those things. But we have to be very cautious in, in taking in, into all this advice. They meant good. Mm. But sometimes they may not be aware that the advice that they gave you is, is not the right one. So what I'm trying to say is that if you are somebody who is, who is having COVID or you have somebody who have COVID and would like to help, be sure that the advice that you gave them, the medication you gave it to them is a genuine, proven, evidence-based advice or medications mm. because otherwise you may cause trouble more harm than good in the more end, harm. isn't it yes more harm because your intention mm. is good but but you don't know that you know what will be the outcome like so if you're not sure try not to share mm. if you want to share you can share them with the hospital number <laughs> For them to go to hospital. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I, I think um, anyone listening in can hear how frustrated yeah. Dr. Tan is because <laughs> I, I think you, you do have quite a bit of experience with people giving out, dishing out wrong advice and that's why we're having this episode today. After we, we all recover and back home, it, it was more casual that we are able to live life as normal again. But I believe like to the people around us, it was a shock. Like even when I did walks with my mom, our neighbor who wanted to talk to us, when they see us, they will take like extra step back because they want to have this social distance, but it's like way far. They still want to talk to you. It's just that I think it's normal that this stigma exists. Oh, that 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 person actually got COVID, that family got COVID. They still care, but at the end of the day, uh, time is all that you need to be normal again. Uh, for example, my boss was uncomfortable in meeting me in person and my sister too. But which I understand and, you know, because they have young kids at home, they are unvaccinated and with all that reasons, I really think you can't be too safe. 
So for whoever, you know, maybe your friend just recovered and they tell you that they are no longer infectious. I think you can take a week. Like it, it, there's no rush in meeting anyone, you know, at, at this state. I, I just think with all the growing cases in Malaysia, you can wait. Mm. You All your social settings, like events, mm. all that can wait. Mm. 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 I think yeah, that okay, is can, a, I, can I add? The sure, COVID sure. stigma is a real thing. It's a real thing. Mm. If you if you, you tell somebody you're having COVID, <clears throat> I can be sure that nobody will come to your house for the next one. Month. <laughs> <laughs> true, true, true. Yeah. If, so if, I, if I may add, if I may add, in mm. terms of uh, infectivity. Yes, I was going to ask you that, Dr. Tan. Yeah. So, so like I mentioned earlier, you got category 1 and 5. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, so in category 1 and 2 patients, we are considered as mild patients. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. based on studies, they say that more than 90, 90% of the patients by day 10, mild day category, 10 from? not infectious. Day 10 from the day, first day of symptoms. Not day of recovery. Day 10 from no, the day, day first day of symptoms. symptoms. Okay. So it's very important that you know when is your first day of symptoms? Very important. Right. Mm. So for the, those patients who are later category, kind of like category five, we even in the hospital, we when we nurse them, we do not let them mix with the normal patients, one COVID patient, until day 21. Mm. Day 21. So that's really gap, 10 to 21. That's almost, yes. just over double. Even those patients require ventilator assistance, we will remain them in COVID, COVID ICU for mm. at least 21 days. Right. Before we move that into the normal ICU, where they can mix with uh, other patients, that is why you always have this intensive care unit bed shortage. Mm. Mm. This is happening throughout the world, not only in Malaysia, because you cannot move them out because they are still deemed infection for at least three weeks. And ICU patients normally are quite a bad COVID four and above five, and this is this this is true in your government hospital. Because it's not they don't want because the base shortage too many patients, mm. so only patient category five or or bed four will be mm. in the ICU. That's why in the gamma hospital you look at the way they operate, they are opening more and more ICU because the patients will be there at least for three weeks. You understand, mm. Doctor Tan? What can a patient expect uh, to receive in terms of treatment? You you mentioned, look, if their lumps lump bells, you have these signs, you need to get medical care in hospital. But what when they get to hospital, what can what sort of treatment can they expect to receive? All right, the the, the treatment. You look at how the, the the virus or the disease progress. It is because of the cytokine. Cytokine is a chemical that causes inflammation towards your body reaction because of the body antibodies and viral reaction, it produces a lot of cytokine. We call it cytokine storm. Right. So right. cytokine storm is the one that cause the patient to have persistent fever, involved lung, all those things. Mm-hmm. So the treatment, that is why the treatment, the basis treatment of the of the of the COVID, what we use in in uh, in, in the hospitals mm-hmm. are actually steroid. Right. In contrast to what people say outside, ivermectin, mm-hmm. we use steroid. Okay. Or we use uh, anti-inflammatory medications. Those are the medications that we give in the hospital. A lot of people mention about ivermectin. Mm. I shall not mm. go into why I disagree with ivermectin. But what I can tell you is that it is not recommended in Malaysia. Mm-hmm. It is not recommended by WHO. Mm-hmm. And it is mentioned in WHO website. If you go and check. It is only recommended in clinical setting, clinical study setting not in the hospital practice. What What is, just to unpack that phrase mm. a little bit for everyone out there, what is clinical setting? Does that mean Cl- if I go to the clinic? Clinical study setting. What I'm trying to clinical study setting means that mm-hmm. you do it on a research basis. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I never treat anyone with ivermectin mm-hmm. uh, 
few reasons. Number one, I do not want to discredit those people who have done studies on ivermectin. But the, the problem with ivermectin is that we do not know, I, at least I do not know, how my patient will respond to it. And I have other better medication to treat the patients. Why should I try something that clinical data is still insufficient? From my point of view, of course. So I can't speak on behalf of other people. But from my point of view, because the pathophysiology of the disease is such a way that the treatment is actually steroid will work. And my patient, first-hand, first-hand experience, they all responded very well and actually walked up to the hospital. So that's why a lot of patients come and ask me, you know, Dr. Tan, should, I, should you give me ivermectin? I'll tell them no, because it is not recommended based on my knowledge. Mm-hmm. So, so that's why it's very important that for those of you outside who self-purchase ivermectin, if you want to take ivermectin, you have to take on your own risk. Although there are people recommend certain dotation. But if you take at home by yourself, were you able to monitor the side effect? Do you have a facility resources to monitor the side effect? Like liver toxicity. Liver toxicity can only be measured early by measured by blood tests. So they even mentioned for prophylaxis for ivermectin. If prophylaxis means that you take the ivermectin to prevent you from getting COVID. But the question now is that, how long are you going to take ivermectin to prevent COVID? Because now it's pandemic. If you were to take for the next one year, how are you going to monitor yourself for the next one year? So there are a lot of factors you need to weigh in and consider before you make this decision. I, 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 I would not advise if yep. you have no proper monitoring. Mm-hmm. I, I had myself had no experience in treating my patient ivermectin mm-hmm. and it is not recommended by our health authority and it's also not recommended by the World Health Authority as well. Mm-hmm. So if you want to take, my advice is that please make sure you know what you're doing before you take a medication. So I hear you loud and clear. Um, you're saying, uh, you know, watch the alarm bells, get yourself medical care. Uh, your your protocol does not include ivermectin? For yes, reasons. my protocol does not include ivermectin. Right, and, and you know, with all those medications um, that you've mentioned earlier, your patients have generally done quite well yes, and without yes. having to resort to ivermectin. You mentioned ivermectin has uh, that uh, liver toxicity um, how real is that liver toxicity? Like in terms of, you know, y- y- because there are many medications, even like paracetamol. So I think it's been yes. going on in, in WhatsApp groups that, hey, you know what? Paracetamol can also give you liver toxicity. So don't worry about ivermectin. What what do you say to that? Well, well, Pauline, I have to, I have to, I have to stand on a, uh, on a ground that I, I can't comment on this. Right. I have to be fair to the, mm-hmm. the, the public publication people gave right, right about ivermectin. Mm-hmm. And 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 the, the the one of the main reason is that I have no experience. I I don't give to my patients, and and okay. because it's not allowed in Malaysia for for right. us medical doctor to give. EG have said very clearly, it's not mm-hmm. licensed in Malaysia for right. COVID treatment. So so I can't I can't really comment on this. But but those those of you who want to take, I can tell you that in Malaysia we are not recommending it. Mm. So everybody mm. hear Doctor Tan loud and clear. So you know I want to come back to you. You mentioned you, you know, Dr. Tan said you were 4B, you were in the COVID ICU, um, you, you, you needed oxygen support, and you were breathless. Um, we talked a lot about the physical aspects of, and physical challenges of COVID, but how was, what, what was that experience like for you at that time when you were in the COVID ICU? What was going through your mind? Um, during that time, actually, I was quite depressed because I don't know what will be the outcome. Right, so because uh, I'm uh, very worried and very anxiety and uh, very very depressed and I cannot control my emotion during that stage because uh, if a normal uh, sickness admission, then you at least your family 
that family members can still come and visit you. But mm. for these uh, COVID case, right, you, you, you cannot, you need to keep a distance with them. You can only communicate with them via phone or maybe video conference. And also, I try to hide this from my son because he's still under, he's uh, still uh, young and then uh, maybe cannot accept the facts. So I still have to hide this from him. So every time when he wants to talk to him, then I need to find a lot of excuse that uh, mommy very tired, mommy what, the doctor nurse come, mommy cannot talk to you. So I need to hide this. So it become, I, I make, make me become uh, more, uh, how to say, depressed and emotional during my stay in the hospital, during the hospitalization period. So, um, but uh, I, I, I managed to overcome this is uh, true like uh, sometimes uh, when I cannot sleep and then uh, I cannot sleep well I also go and search from a uh, YouTube to come up to, to go and find some uh, motivation code motivational code mm. and also what kind of uh, let's say uh, those uh, uh, simple exercise to help me to relieve to, 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 to get rid of all this anxiety right so um, so I think that's the only thing that I can help myself because of course uh, we have a good uh, medical uh, treatment from the hospital and the frontline people also very good and also always give me a very positive uh, mm. a positive uh, uh, support but however as a patient right we need to do our part as well because it is a lot a lot of things still depends on us so i try to search like for example my oxygen level is very uh, was very low so I, I i told myself how i cannot forever like by like that i only i only 53 years old i still have a long way to go so i try to search from internet a lot, actually a lot of people send to me the video clips so what kind of exercise is good i try every 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 uh, script that they every how to say it, every video that they, they, they share me I, I i try but i found one which is quite effective la to me is uh that's uh, from a uh, one uh, the yoga type one so i try to uh, uh practice i try to have the this exercise uh, regularly during uh, my uh, uh, admission uh, during uh, in, in the hospital as well as currently under re recovery stage uh, at home i still take this as my regular exercise which is a breathing exercise to to strengthen my lung to increase my lung capacity so actually there are several exercise but i take the select the three the easiest one because until today i still have a uh, uh, sometime on and off i still have a, a breathing disorders issue so i cannot take a too heavy exercise so got so serious i just select the three like the top the, the simplest one the three which is number one is a a, a, a press lips press lift and then second one is a diaphragmatic and number three is uh they call it uh the one uh, the, the code i need to refer is a makarasna something like that uh, oh, makarasna Makarasna, yeah, Makarasna. These three actually really beneficial and help me. And uh, I can see the significant improvement. Even actually, uh, when I, I discharge from hospital, mm -hmm. I supposed to have, I also actually, in, in fact, I ran the, uh, the uh, how to say, the uh, oxygen uh, to, to as a standby as well. But because of I quite disciplined in performing the exercise, I perform uh, about, I carry out about two, two times per day, one in morning, another one is uh, somewhere afternoon. Uh, and also uh, each time about eight to 10 minutes. So I mean, I managed to get rid of this oxygen support uh, within uh, one, uh, two days, within two mm. days after I discharge. And today I totally, uh, uh, I just put aside and I plan to return to the to the supplier. So Fantastic. because I, I think I think yeah yeah I think that that I don't know I would like to share is because I found that uh, suitable uh, suit me. So I would take I would like to uh, share. That's why I want to share with my experience. Yep, we yeah. will definitely link the video that you were saying in the YouTube yeah. description box and in the Facebook comment section. So whoever that's uh. curious to find out or maybe they want to try the breathing exercise or the three types mm. that you were mentioning, mm. they can mm. refer to that. Yep. Yeah. 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 So. Uh, uh, 
Uh, but yeah, most important, on. most important thing I would like to add on is uh, the exercise have to do it before you with the empty stomach. Oh, oh, why is empty stomach? Because because empty stomach that means that before you having a meal. Because I I try once after having my breakfast, then I feel very uncomfortable. So oh. so that that's my personal experience. So I uh, my suggestion is that if if you want to try, it's better to try with on on the empty stomach. Uh, so before you 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 have your breakfast or lunch or whatever before having your meal. So in um you 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 mentioned you you when you left hospital you're still with oxygen support. I supposed to I supposed to because at that time uh, my oxygen level is not up to that level yet. I think about sometimes uh, uh 96 97 and 98 but I supposed to be maybe 99 and but as well also a standby purposes lah because mm. uh, I I supposed to that's why I, I ran uh, the facilities and uh, at home but uh, I I I try to cut down myself and also mm. of course I seek a uh, doctor advice as well I call I I I seek doctor advice but I I try to cut down myself is because uh, we need to we need to start with the first step Right, we need to yeah, we need to start from a first step. So I gradually, like initially, uh, morning I take out, I don't depend on oxygen, but at night I still put on. But then mm. after that, I slowly cut down. At night, uh, maybe uh, only few hours. Then I slowly cut down myself until I totally now no more depends on oxygen. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. What I really like the just to highlight to everyone is you know how you really helped yourself. How low was your oxygen at its lowest? When, when initially, you were in uh, I I'm not too sure that time because uh. I'm not too sure already because the time in the hospital also blur blur. <laughs> I only know that oh you need to go ICU, you need to go ICU. When I heard about ICU, already pingsan already. So <laughs> I don't know what is the actual reading. I don't know yeah. how low the the lowest number. I don't know. Mm. If I remember, if yeah. I remember correctly, your 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 lowest was about eighty percent or slightly lower. Oh. Oh, oh. was 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 very bad. Yeah, mm. the reason I ask that is so that you know everyone again just to emphasize how real COVID is. Um, mm. m- many stories I heard, like Shilin's, right? You know, is mild, mm. category two, but we don't often hear um, from somebody who has made it out of Cat Four to tell us, look, mm. it was real. I was in ICU. Um, oxygen level was about eighty. Um, uh, I had to help myself. Uh, on top of all the medical treatments, I still have to help myself. And here, here I am today to to leave to, and to tell the mm. story. So mm. th- that that that's a wonderful um, um insight. I think you can give us. What what you mentioned also is that after you came out, you had all these breathing difficulties, and you the breathing exercises have helped you. So that's long COVID, isn't it, uh, Doctor Tan? Yeah, long COVID. Basically, long COVID by definitions that the symptoms persist after the infectivity of the COVID is no longer there. Right. So so in a very layman term, is basically the side effect of COVID. Mm. You're no longer infectious, but but the damage done by the COVID towards your body. It can range from a very simple thing like insomnia. Some patient came to me chest pain, but mm. all sort of tests and all came abnormal. Mm. And some we mainly see in the lung. When the lung is badly damaged by COVID, some patients, even though they are not infectious anymore, they will have damage to the lung. We normally see uh, one of the example we normally see is organizing pneumonia. The 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 the, the damage of the lung sort of organize itself. So if these are patients, they need longer treatment of steroid. We talk about months of steroid. Then we monitor them slowly. Then we cut down the steroid dose slowly. Right. If you cut, if you if you don't treat these patients, they miss the boat. Mm-hmm. Lung become fibrous. Right. Fibrous means that it will be hardening. Then this will be a burnout lung. And that's fatal, I imagine. Fate. If this normally is not fatal, but 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 it's sort of a. 
if it's if it's a lot, it's a it's quite quite a, quite a big chunk of lung is involved. Mm-hmm. It may decapacitate the patients to a certain extent. It may require oxygen for lifelong. Depends on how severe, mm. how severe is the is the damage or the fibrosis. Right. So sometimes the story doesn't end there when you get out of the hospital. Mm, like Ho- like Soyin, right? Yeah. So she, the, her story didn't end there. It, it didn't went end on. There it went on. Half of the stories end there. Right. But but the half half of the story that the first half of the story may be life threatening, mm-hmm. but the second half of the story is. is is sometimes how you recover. If you don't recover properly, you may end up with the with the damaged lungs. Mm. You may end up with the complication of COVID. Mm. And when you say long COVID, how long are we talking about before you sort of get out of the woods? Is it never or is it like three months? What are no, we looking essentially, at? essentially, what I'm trying to say is that it is a it's a it is a continuity of the COVID uh, 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 infections. Mm. But long COVID starts after you're no longer infectious. Whatever residual problems mm. you have from COVID is considered long COVID. Like I said earlier, it can be range from a minor thing like loss of taste bud mm-hmm. to the extent that you require oxygen to breathe. Mm. So those all these things lumped together are called long COVID syndrome. Right, right. Gosh, um, that's that's a lot to take in. Um, you know, it, it, with all these long COVID symptoms as well. Shilin, do you do you have any? Do you experience any long COVID? Mm, I had a breathless episode and occasional chest pain, but it's been two weeks and I don't have it anymore. Yeah, but but when when you can feel the chest pain, it's actually a physical pain. So so I I didn't experience it before, and after I got home, I actually felt like it it is like you know painful and but it's bearable. Just that you know I was also worried, but it didn't happen anymore. So I'm okay now. Mm. Well, if you're listening in, um, for those you know in our audience, uh, if you've had COVID before, do share with us in the comments section um, any long COVID challenges that you've experienced and what it's been like for you. We'd love to hear from you. Um, given given such a traumatic experience for you, um, Soin, what would be your advice for our audience today? Okay, my advice is um, everyone to take uh, this uh, pandemic seriously. Especially uh, practice, uh, uh, especially uh, practice uh, this uh, physical uh, uh, distancing uh, seriously. Because I notice a lot of people that still never follow SOP, strictly follow SOP, and then like wearing masks, also make sure wear properly that cover mouth and nose, and then also stay home and uh, try to uh, avoid those crowded places and less uh, outdoors activities and uh, avoid prolonged uh, contacts with others. That, that's my advice and also resist uh, go and uh, uh, how to say um, uh, go and uh, how to say, stand up for vaccine to prevent uh, to protect yourself to protect yourself and also to uh, uh, those are uh, vulnerable so that that's my advice uh, to to everyone and also important is the house also uh, make sure that the good ventilation to uh, to good ventilation to increase the air exchange like mm-hmm. uh, last time, I always uh, like to close the window and door and switch on the aircon because Malaysia or weather is so hot. But yes. now I totally changed my lifestyle. I mm. open the window and uh, and uh, also the, uh, how to say, the window and also the door so that I have a fresh air to come in. Yeah. So I, I also changed my lifestyle. Like, for example, eat a healthy diet uh, instead of only focus on those like, very high processing food. So my advice to everyone is uh, important is take this pandemic seriously because mm. uh, when you cannot, only you know. Uh, you yeah. makan chili, only you talk with us. Uh. <laughs> I so agree with you. Yeah. And, and yeah, I think yeah, yeah. people feel pressured when they go to like, you know, a friend's house or relative's house. Maybe it's just a normal visit, but they, they feel pressured that they have to remove their mask. 
like like for mm. me, my experience mm. is that you know I was still wearing my mask when you know my my relative came to my house to pray for a quick one, and then they mm. were like, oh, anso lo ko tiyan na mask eh. Then I'm like, uh, <laughs> but I, I I feel like you know I had to explain like uh, I just feel safer that you know I should be wearing my mask. Then they're like, look at Chunia. But the thing is, it's not the location. You see, it's the people mm. that you know you don't know who they met today, where they've been today for the past few days, and they are coming mm. to you. So I think mm. even if you if it's your closest friend or your relative. Just mm. don't don't let them feel like you know make you feel like you are pressured that oh I have to remove my mask I don't want to offend mm-hmm. anyone I think we should mm. normalize this that you know sure. if I want to wear my sure. mask I want to double mask inside the mm. you know indoor or whatever when the air is not the ventilation is not good I am allowed to and I'm supposed to feel okay to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I th- I'm so glad you pointed it out. I think there's always that pressure when you go to somebody's house to to remove that mask, isn't it? Shilin, mm. do you have any other pearls or wisdom to offer us today? Um, I think what helped me is that you form your own uh COVID bubble, also like some people call it home bubble or safety bubble, uh, which simply means that you know one group of people only hang out with the same group of people, so you are limiting your exposure to the same type of people. So, for example, if I I'm working from home and I see my mom and then maybe this one friend, and then we always see we only see not always we only see this one friend and my mom. So, uh, besides you know going out for groceries run or those necessary thing, you actually don't go out, and and I think um it's something that we all should do because it's it's a bit insane that you are always indoor for that one year already, and it's almost impossible. I I'm I'm going to say it's it's tough lah for us to live in a world without COVID at least not mm. not in near future. But we mm. need to learn how to live with a uh, with COVID. Is that yeah. you choose your members? Like you choose these people that you know you can trust them, that they won't go out and they will stay home, and then you only hang out with them. I, I just feel bad for the kids now. You know, like they are supposed to be the age that running around, going around, kicking ball and all that, and now they are always stuck indoors. Yeah, mm. yeah, that's true. Having having that safety bubble, but uh, safety bubble. I think um, Doctor Amir Singh has um, shared that in one of his. Uh, Viral, viral videos going around to to form that that social safety bubble for for ourselves. Yeah, no doubt, COVID is going to be with us for many years. Mm. I think it's going to change the whole healthcare industry, the way we see patients, mm. and I'm particularly high risk. <laughs> I always stop seeing my some of my friends. I always stop going to people's house because of my work nature. Work nature. So you're stigmatized but, as well. Uh, not really. I don't. Uh, yeah, I think to a certain extent, yes. But I, I, I just basically I call call people on the phone. I don't go to people's house anymore. And if I have to go to others, my friend's house, I would choose not to enter the house. I would stay outside the house. And I would tell them straight to the point that look, I, I'm treating COVID patients. I'm not going to the house. So mm. we have to learn how to live with it's it. Very thoughtful of you. We have to learn how to live with it. And vaccine is the key. Mm. It's the key. Mm. There are. Vaccine is really a key because you do see patients. I have a family came in, husband and wife, not family, husband and wife. They don't have kids. So the, the, the husband is about 50 plus, 40 plus. The wife is about 30, late 30s, early 40s. And they have one elderly mother at home. Mm-hmm. And guess what? The mom is injected with, uh, the mom has been vaccinated. Right. And the couple is not vaccinated. Right. And the husband end up with category four, the wife end up with category two. And the mom is a A okay, nothing happened. Oh wow! <laughs> and now she has to, when they go back, the, the the when the son have long COVID, when they go back, the mother is the one who take care because the wife still having a bit of symptoms as well. When they went back, they're not fully recovered, but they are not infectious, but they are well. But they are still, you know, when you have this all this viral, you still feel weak. 
So the mom have to really help in the housework. So so vaccine is a key. It makes a big difference, and it's make a big difference. Make a big difference. And the thing is that the places that we went, like just now, pointed by showing that ventilation is very important. If you if you were to have to dine in certain because now things have been slowly opened up. Yeah, I need to know. If you want choose to to have your dinner or lunch in restaurant, I would suggest you go to a place you know where they have open space. Not a close, confined place with the AC, you know. Mm. Especially when those states, with, those places with high COVID cases, mm. it is mm. a bit unwise. So you may want to go to open open space. So try to limit yourself in a closed space environment. Jogging is fairly safe, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. unless you jog in a group. <laughs> Individual <laughs> open air is good. Right. If you don't try you next to somebody who is sick, of course, this is not the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. So exercise, I think, is still very, very good. We need to keep ourselves healthy. Yep. But do it in an open space. Mm-hmm. So you're advocating um, vaccination. You're advocating vaccination, ventilation. Yes. yes. Um, is there anything else? Uh, well, if you are infected, <laughs> isolate yourself. <laughs> 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 yes, I th- I think that's come across. I mean, you you've you've really emphasized that. So I I think that that's all we have um today. Uh, poor Soyin, I mean Soyin's still um, coughing, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you have COVID and are isolating at home, you have to monitor closely. Uh, at the alarming signs, seek medical care. Early medical intervention could make all the difference. Yes. For mm-hmm. the rest of us, get vaccinated. Form your safety bubble. I think Soyin said this uh, very, very clearly. Take COVID seriously, right? Mm. 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 Now, people, that's all we've got for you today. If you know someone who has got COVID or you've got COVID, share your stories in the comments section below. We want to hear all about it. And um, if you like this episode, give us a thumbs up and hit that subscribe button. I'd love to see you at our next Real Chats episode. Until then, stay safe and take care. Bye for now. Bye. 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 Bye.